Hi, I'm Dino Emili, class of 1978, and you're watching Dingo Talk. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Dino Emil Emili. Mealy. Pretty good. <laughs> class of 1978. Just, Dino, thank you. No, absolutely. Thank you. Just think how much trouble you would have had with that if you weren't Italian. Well, <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of pronunciations of Guadagnino, it's, and I told you that when we met. It, yeah. It's one of those I have to get, I have to make sure I at least get close. Yeah. Well, um, so let's, let's take you back hmm. to 1974. Yes. Senior in high school. Yes. Why yeah. Bethany? How do you end up at Bethany? How do you end up in this corner of the woods? Sure. No, I uh, I went to Latrobe Senior High School. Spent four years there after moving to Latrobe, and uh, I had a cousin who played football here and was a guy I looked up to, and he was here nine years ahead of me. So that's the first and only reason I'd ever heard of Bethany. Uh, his name's John Mullen. He's actually on the board of trustees right now. Uh, but yeah, I knew John. Heard of Bethany from him. So when I was looking into where to go to school, I was going to major in communications and I researched on whatever computer facilities we had available to us in 1974. <laughs> I can't imagine we had anything, but um, the couple of names that got churned out were Syracuse, mm -hmm. which is rather renowned for that, and, uh, and Bethany. Uh, so I went to a college fair at Greensburg High School, next school over, and uh, Walter Bortz was there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he and I talked for a good bit of time about me coming to Bethany to be a sports writer, which is what I wanted to do. So he arranged a trip. And he arranged a trip for myself and a good friend of mine who was thinking about Bethany and WMJ. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we came down together. Walt had us stay at the SAE house. Um, as we we're approaching Bethany after spending the day at W&J, um, we had to stop the car while a farmer crossed his pigs across the road. And my buddy's mother looked at him, we were both with our moms, and she said, there's no way you're going to this school. <laughs> so he ended up um, turning around and going back home and, and he went to W&J, became a doctor. I came here and Walt put us up at the SAE house, or put me up at the SAE house, and they were having a mixer, I think with the Zetas, and it was <laughs> Monday night football, and so I had all my favorite things. There was beer, there was football, and there were co-eds. And I said, It's a well, pretty good visit. This is, Walt, <laughs> you, you sold me, man. This is where I'm coming to school. So that's how I ended up here. So you said that you wanted to come, you were coming in to be a sports writer. Is that what you stayed with your whole time at Bethany? No, no. I, I was a sports writer uh, under the legendary Dave Sims mm -hmm. uh, for one semester. And I realized that if you wanted to do that for a living, you had to be able to type. And that was not a, a skill set, set <laughs> I had not developed in high school. Uh, so I, I bounced around. Uh, I was a biology major for two weeks uh, until I realized I couldn't stand the sight of blood. Okay. And then I went to math until I got to Calc 3, which which didn't agree with me. So I settled on psychology, mm -hmm. which was really a good fit for me. It gave me the opportunity to think a lot and talk a lot and not really have to develop any particular skill sets. Yeah. 
Um, so that's that's what I did. Sorry, all you psych majors out there. <laughs> it's a little. It's like a backhanded compliment. Like I, it was really good for me, but I didn't really have to do much. Nah, that was it. Um, so I, you know, I had some some great experiences here as a psych major. Back then, we had four practicums we had to do mm-hmm. that would be somewhat related to our our major. Uh, so I spent a year going down to the former Moundsville State Penitentiary and interacting with the inmates and the staff at the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, was, that's, that left an impact for sure. That was something very impactful. But really what I think about when I think of Bethany is my work at the athletic department. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked as a work-study person in the athletic department for four years. I was a manager for the football team for a couple years, uh, worked as a manager for the basketball team, and the, the on-field or on-court duties weren't all that rigorous, but the good part about it was I got to drive the college vans to the games. Mm-hmm. And so for the basketball team, that meant, you know, having a van load of players and going to, you know, all the hot spots, Hiram, Teal, Case Western, John Carroll, because all of those schools were in our conference back then. Mm-hmm. And now I think we're just down to Teal out of that group. Um, and then for the football team, um, it was a terrible job. I had to drive the cheerleaders to the games. Oh the man, they really they really that twisted was, your arm for that, that one. That was that was terrible. But <laughs> that, that's I will say that that led to me being fired for the first time in my life. Uh, Bob Goyne called me in one Monday morning after a road game and said, "Dino, understand that you stopped and bought beer." with the cheerleaders on the way back from the game. And I said, well, yes, sir, I did. And he said, well, I'm going to have to let you go. And I said, <laughs> I understand that, Mr. Boyne. Uh, but they allowed me to come back for basketball. Uh, so I continued to work on the basketball team. But that was the end of my football career. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, lesson to all you kids out there. Is the lesson not to admit that you actually did it, or is the oh, lesson? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely the lesson. <laughs> lesson. Don't admit that you picked up the beer. I just never say yes to something like that. Oh my goodness! Only if you're in a school band. Don't, just yeah, don't say yeah, it. Yeah, that was really. And and I had other fun experiences. I back then the equestrian program was affiliated with Ogilvy like it is today. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't have the facility here. And so part of my job was to drive students over to Ogilvy to ride the horses and such. So it was a really good gig. Um, even as a freshman, it got me to meet a lot of people that I wouldn't have otherwise met here at school. Um, it, it opened my horizon socially right away to all the folks in the athletic department, including the students that mm-hmm. were participating in sports. And that led to my uh, rushing beta. And, uh, you know, that was the big turning point in my career here. I've never denied the fact that I probably would not have lasted more than one, maybe two semesters uh, if I hadn't pledged beta. Well, so you bring that up. What is the, what's the Greek life uh, dynamic at that point? And and why beta? Is it just because of the group of friends that you created or? Yeah. Did you look at any other house, or was it, that was Beta? Beta was it. That was it. Okay. That was it. It was the group of guys that particularly were the basketball players at that time. And and by the way, a little promo: we're having an alumni reunion for the '78 basketball team uh, in a couple of weeks on February 18th, 19th, and 20th. So all those guys will be back uh, to spend the weekend on campus. But yeah, those those were my friends, and. Uh, 
I did not look at other houses. I think I was in the Sigma Nu house once and the Alpha Sig house once. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously there's some great folks then and now that were associated with, with those groups. Uh, but for me, it was never anything but beta. Um, so, so that was, that was the, the big factor for me remaining here at Bethany. And then obviously, as we get into my history a little bit more, you'll, everybody will come to understand that um, it's, it's much more than that these mm -hmm. days, but that's still a very uh, meaningful relationship for me. It's a, corner, it's a cornerstone for what your, your Bethany is. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and the Greek life back then, you ask, you know, I think the statistic was when I was here, 90-plus percent of the men affiliated and half the women. Okay. Uh, my my years at the Beta House, we had seventy two men in, in Beta. In, so it in wasn't three the, classes. It wasn't the group, the grouping that we had. I mean, and the houses are doing what they can, but those numbers have the ex expectations have been dropped Absolutely. here at Bethany because Absolutely. of of the of enrollment. But is that also? Uh, do you see it? Um, I'm fast forwarding a little bit. Yeah. In, in being on campus and what, do you see the maybe Greek life isn't where people are going anymore is that a, yeah. is that kind there, of a statistic no across question. that's uh, no question it's a universal statistic across north america that that affiliations with fraternities and sororities are down mm -hmm. partly because it got a bad image in in those years when when i was here and and thereafter partly because it's a different student yeah. today that they, they don't look toward that kind of social experience mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I have two kids who are 29 and 33, and neither one of them would Wait. have affiliated. Uh, my son went to Penn State where they had a beta chapter at the mm -hmm. time, and he said, Dad, they have a beautiful house, but beyond that, there's nothing there that's going to entice me to become a beta. Sorry. And I, I understood that. Yeah. I understood that. Uh, but yeah, so it, it is a different environment. Back then, and I know we'll talk about the fact that it's maybe even truer now, there wasn't anything else to do here. No. And and so, and yes, young people back then, the drinking age in West Virginia was 18. Yeah. So, so it's a whole different ball game when you're talking. It's a whole different ball game. That's we, why the bar was successful in, in both hands that it was in. And, right. and And for as long as it was, is the drinking age was 18. And right. that's, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think we've had so many alumni on the show where they talk about, we talk about Bubba's and we talk about what you were able to do on campus before that, that sure. law changed. And then subsequently, I mean, my time at Bethany was Bubba's because you yeah, felt safe yeah. where you could, where you knew you weren't going to get in trouble for anything. Right. Well, not that you weren't going to get in trouble for anything, but yeah. you weren't going to get in trouble for the thing you were doing in the bar. Yeah, yeah. But I just think it's a good it's a good part to say that, that a lot of people came to school here. The drinking age was 18, so you were coming in as an adult. You were able to do things. Right, right. And, and I think at that time... Um, the footprint of the of the student draw was bigger. And, for example, in New York at that time, the drinking age was 18. Mm -hmm. And it was probably true along the East Coast in some places. So we had a lot of students from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they came here because the drinking age was 18, but it was one less thing to have them reconsider why they were coming yeah. here. And, and so... and and. Yeah, did we drink more now than maybe students here do today? Probably, but we didn't make such a big deal about it. No, that. drinking, it was just what you did. It was well, we had a refrigerator in the beta house that had a keg in it with a tap. 
And so if you wanted to have a beer in, in the middle of the afternoon, you just went and poured yourself one. You threw a quarter in the till, and that was that. And it wasn't, it's not, as you, I think that's another good point, is that it, it's such a sensationalized thing. Like, a, right. we got you got a drink, you got a drink, you got a drink. Or you got to show everybody that you're drinking. Right, right. And... I, I don't. I don't know. If I, maybe. I, maybe I fit. I fit into a different generation because I just. <laughs> I drink to drink. I don't drink to tell people that I drink. Right. Like, right. And, um, but you know, there are different personality types yeah. that do a lot of things just to be able to show that they do it. Well, so but you brought up the the other social aspects, and we talked. We touched on one of them was was Bubba's, and we'll get to Bubba's, sure. but especially with you guys being the yeah. name, basically next door neighbors or yeah. cat oh, corner. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, some other social aspects, though, because, I mean, the, the sporting events were, were always attended. Yes. During your time, there was still the homecoming parade where everybody made it. was a bit, That was a big deal, correct? I Absolutely. Mean, that, Absolutely. People worked for weeks, sometimes maybe months, on getting their float together for yeah. where they were going. Yeah. Now, what was that experience like? For those that, because I, I experienced one, and it was basically we put signs on the side of the trucks and yeah. waved at yeah. people and dressed up goofy. Anything that you could get behind as a group was very people approached it very passionately Mm -hmm. so whether it was the homecoming experience or greek sing or you know pick any event certainly the sporting events the concerts i look back through the old yearbooks when i was here and i can't believe the groups that we had and who were some of the people well we had charlie daniels we had the eagles we you know there were john sebastian you bring up a good, you know, you know that's a that's a that's a hot topic. There's a name in there that you said. There's a hot topic question. I believe the song is called Tequila Sunrise. Tequila Sunrise was an Eagles song, and legend has it that I don't know if it was Don Henley or Glenn Fry, but it was written by by one of them while they were here, supposedly. Supposedly, and there's supposedly. no. We've never gotten a con. There's no confirmation <laughs> no of that. No confirmation of that. From the Facebook groups and some of the other, the Bethany folklore, and oh, you know, yeah. we have Frank, and you have Larry oh, yeah. Grimes' ghost stories, and yeah. the other one is, yeah, that they tequila, tequila sunrise, sunrise is Beth is about Bethany. Yeah, so yeah. so that that's legend. That's you know what do they call urban myth? Our, maybe <laughs> it's our urban legend. <laughs> what I can tell you about music and concerts back then was Barry Manilow was here one weekend. I think it was Homecoming. There was a show here Friday night that was the typical country rock band. I don't even remember who it was, but, mm-hmm. I mean, we just had an awesome time. Barry Manilow comes out on Saturday night, and God bless him, he's been incredibly successful. We boot him off the stage after two songs. Literally, the poor guy got up and left. Now, just because, you, I mean, well, the, that's such a change oh, from the night before. Oh to gosh. And Saturday's more, Friday's always, I don't know if it was this way back in the day. But Friday is more of the everybody gets back, let's have a good time. Yeah, yeah. And then Saturday is... A little more out of control. Hey, well, <laughs> Sunday will be here and we'll recover then. Yes. Let's go. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So that one isn't mythical or legend uh, that, that isn't substantiated. I, I was sitting there. I was sitting there, yeah. So so Bethany College students booed Barry Man- I don't know if that's a... If I should... Is that clickbait? Barry Manilow yeah, gets booed off. I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> hear the story. Hear the story here. Yeah, yeah. So, maybe not something to be proud of. Um, Bubba's. Yeah. Bubba's obviously played a one, well, and it's it's Bubba's when you're here. It's not Frank's place. No, no, it's Frank's place. You you want me to go off on that topic? Is it page one? Is it page? <laughs> it was well. We 
who lived above the bar and worked at the bar, <laughs> called it the Enterprise because that's what Frank called it. Yep. Because that was the name of his business generally. Everybody else called it Frank's. Okay. And yes, I frequented the place my freshman and sophomore years, but one of the problems the Beta had at that time, because there were 70 of us, we couldn't find places to live. The Beta house then was two stories and it accommodated somewhere between 30 and 40 people. The other 30 of us had to live wherever we could live. So we had a group of four of us who lived above the bar. Uh-huh. And there were three or four apartments up there. There were four Betas, two of my dear friends who were Sigma News, um, and a couple of women who worked for Frank at the bar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was Frank's. And it was Frank's for the first three years I was here, and I worked there my junior year. After my junior year, Frank paid me to stick around for a month or so and do some landscaping and some cleanup because he was selling it. Mm-hmm. And he was selling it to Bill Reed, who most people know as Bubba. Mm-hmm. And the name lives on, even Big though Bill's giant. been gone for a good while. <laughs> 11 years now. Yeah, it's still Bubba's to everybody. But uh, yeah, so I, I stuck around for a month, probably as enjoyable a month as I had on campus, even though the other f- parts of the four years were great. Yeah. But being here alone and mm. experiencing the town. It's such a different experience oh when you're here, goodness. especially summertime, oh. whenever it breaks. Yeah. When everything yeah. clears out, it's almost a... Yes. And then, you know, yes. two weeks in, three weeks in, it gets a little, it gets redundant. Your days oh, just yeah. kind of There's run only together. There's so much you can do. And then all of a sudden, you're you're in August. I mean, yeah. it, you go yeah. through that, every, I'm sure you went through the heat. Yeah, yeah. July and August in Bethany. Are, yeah, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> humid. It's, humid. It's tough. It's tough. But it was a great experience. And I have Frank to thank for a lot. Uh, we did some work for him at a home he was rehabbing down in some part of West Virginia that I don't think I've been to since. <laughs> I think it was down near 100. Okay. <laughs> and I know that there was no road to it, so we had to take the four-wheel drive vehicles and go through neighbors' yards and to farms get there. to get to the place. And the guys, my, my brothers and I who lived above the bar, went down there with Frank one long weekend and, and rehabbed a house that he, was, that he had bought. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, I can't exactly call him a mentor, yeah, uh, but but he was he was a good guy to be associated with in my time here. Uh, so yeah, I, I I knew a lot about Franks and and Bubba's, and uh, that was a big part of my experience here. Now before we before we get to the last question of this this part of the show, um, do you think, as an alumni, that that hurts Bethany with it not being open anymore, or do you think that the that because of we talked about with the drinking age being 18 that now it's not socially acceptable and i think people when they hear there's a there's a bar in town that it's a college bar and they serve the underage kids they're only hearing they're serving underage kids and not understanding the well our kids our students aren't on the and they're not kids i shouldn't say that our students aren't on the roads they're they're most of us if we walked anywhere it was either the proverbial drunk path back if you lived in cv my preference was the through chambers alley up past the calf and then through the middle up to uh alpha sig yeah um that has to take a worry out of as a college as as, as an official with the college it has to take a worry when you know there's a place yeah and you're not going to yeah. have students on the roads and have to worry about 
Because we know what college students are going to do. That, that stat doesn't have oh. to be. All of us know what we did when we were in college. So the, the thought yeah, process yeah. of I can't believe my child would. Come on. Let's all just. <laughs> but is that a. I guess is that a problem that uh, Bethany I, is facing? I, I think it is. I think it is. And, and it's and more a town problem too, right? It's well, not just the it's, college. It's, it's a town problem. It's a college problem. And it's not just a drinking problem. It's a social problem. Um, you know. And I'll speak to my bias. Kids mm -hmm. these days have enough trouble socializing because they're always on their phones or yes. their laptops or whatever. Um, they need a place to hang out. And I don't care if the place were dry. They still need a place to go. And being off campus gives them, it's not... Yes. It's, the college isn't going to... Right. And that was always the thing with us, you know, because Chuck was, Chuck was Chuck. Oh, yeah. Chuck... Would not be shy about telling you, this is not the college. This is this is Bubba's. Yeah. And then Bison in, but it was still yeah. Bubba's. Yeah. But I know from working there, from being, from spending my time through college there, that a lot of people, oh, it's the college's bar. It's the yeah. college's bar, and yeah. it's if you thought about it logically, like why would the college, why would the college run a bar and, and serve all of us? Like, yeah, I got to That wouldn't be. <laughs> no, and it certainly wasn't in anybody's you know contemplation when I was here that the college owned that no. place. Now maybe it was because I knew Frank so well that I knew the college didn't own. Well, the I place. think when Bubba died and that it changed hands, yeah, it just yeah. and it took on the Bison in the logo was right, the, was right. the Bison with everything. Right. Which I would, by the way, as an attorney, would never have allowed. That no, that, that seems <laughs> it seems like a no. And we'll get into you being an attorney. I no. think this is and, and the reason I wanted to go into the the question about Bubba's is because. For a long time, there were three businesses, right on four businesses, right on Main Street, right? Because right. you had Jack Hoffman's dad had the barbershop. Yes. Which is now apartments. You had Chambers. Yes. You had, um, it wasn't the College Inn at the time, right? It was like, it was Emily's something. Emily's. Em, yeah, em, M's. Well, Emily's. M's was the bar outside the of garden. town, but this place was E something, some woman's Ev's? name. Maybe. Maybe. Something. Maybe. But I knew that was... Obviously, I didn't frequent it as much as Frank's, but yeah, I And then you had it. Frank's. Right. Or, well... The Enterprise. The Enterprise, Bubba's, Bubba's, whatever, whatever anybody yeah, wants whatever to say. was. Now that, you know, we're, we're here in 2022, yeah. and, and the only place left is Chambers. Yes. Let's talk about some stories. Do you have any stories from Chambers? I know you went uh, in there before the show. You got your shirt. Yeah, I which got, we're my, gonna I got my T-shirt. I'll, I'll hold it up later. <laughs> no, Chambers, I mean, first of all, again, it all starts at the same place. Mr. Chambers, the Chambers back then was mm -hmm. a beta. So we were going in there to patronize them. Yes. You know, whatever. But, you know, they really, they really were the only outpost. You're right. There was a barbershop. And I got Mr. Hoppin to cut my hair a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a barber shop. It's no great to have, but you know, and there was a gas station there there was, when I was here because um, Bill Hanna, who owned the gas station, actually serviced my car that I had down here. Um, he spent several weeks trying to take care of the timing belt that I, I busted. But yeah, so there was the gas station as well, which I don't know how this place functions without a gas station six, it's it's a geographical me. anomaly it's six yeah. miles from everything yeah and 12 miles to a gas station yeah like. and, and i mean i'm a car person i do i mean i'm driving an hour and 15 minutes every day from pittsburgh to get mm -hmm. here now until we move so yeah i'm a car person and not having a gas station would drive me crazy but anyway yeah there were a number of businesses but chambers was the universal go-to um you know we had the boomers slash 
beehive slash barn that mm-hmm. was up on the campus. And that was great for a midnight snack or a late afternoon snack. But just to have a place where you could go and get stuff. And it really is like their slogan. If they don't have it, you don't need it. You don't. Because, you know, I've, I've been going in there almost every day since I've come back. That's my line, by the way. But I, oh, I'm, I'm glad you threw I'm it in sorry. there because now I get to say it again. They'll hear it twice. <laughs> And you're going to hold the shirt up and see it? We got all of the bases we're, covered we're today. covering everything for the, for the guys. But, yeah, I mean, it really is the place where you can get anything. I, I, I started to tell myself when I came back five weeks ago, I'm not going to be spending money all the time when I'm down here. And I'm thinking, of course you're not. There's nowhere to spend it. But <laughs> if, if you go into chambers, you're going to spend money. You're going to spend money because anything you want. I bought a box of cereal in there. I bought the T-shirt in there. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gone to get the chili at lunchtime on Wednesdays. Um, you know, so there's, there's always, I mean, they have something, I forget what it's called, but if you pick it up like this, you can turn pages and read it. Newspaper. Newspaper. They That's sell it. the newspaper. They I look at it every papers. morning from when I have my coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's nothing you can't get there. And and uh, then your every nut, bolt, and screw that you oh, can ever think of. Oh. I mean, they still have the old school box where it's it's just a wall of yes, holes and yes, you pull them off. Yes, you just pull out what you need. <laughs> so, yeah, they, that's been a mainstay for us, for anybody who went to school here. And uh, it's, it's, it's bittersweet that they're all that's left. I mean, I looked at the sign today, since 1917. I mean, other than the college itself, there that's isn't it. much that's been around here or anywhere else since 1917. Mm. No. And for a business like that, and I was in commercial real estate, so I was a retail guy. For a business like that to survive the last two years speaks volumes. For what they are and what they, what, they are and what they mean to the area. And, yeah. and it's interesting you brought that up. Uh, we talked to Harry just after the beginning of the pandemic. Actually, no, I can believe we talked to Harry right just prior to the pandemic. Yeah. And it's funny, when I talk to him, I, I, every once in a while I asked him, just because people ask me, well, how did the pandemic affect him? He had people from Waynesburg, Claysville. I mean, he had people from around, you know, you're talking Washington people. Yeah, yeah. That were coming down here Maybe because of the toilet paper. He never ran yeah. out of toilet paper. He never ran out of paper towels. You know, and he had that That was stuff. big. That was big. But he also got people in in the way that they are, where you walk back to the back of the, the deli. I believe, didn't you? You had a story, I thought. Or, no, sorry. Hal Newman had a story. I just interviewed him. Yeah. He, where, where you know, but before he got to the deli, Bob Chambers already had the sandwich ready for him because he knew what oh, Hal was going to order. Give me the regular. And that was, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I go in every day. I have two cups of coffee. I, I, I have a BS session with Harry and whoever's in the, you know, Floyd or yeah. Coach Garve or any of those other yeah. guys that, yeah. are, that, that are in the store all the time. And then, you know, go about your day. But that's how I start my day. It's part of the routine. Yeah. Um, now, for most of you that have watched the show, Dino took basically all of my promos and ran them all at once because of all the things that he gets. But at this portion of the show, we normally would send, send it to Harry Chambers of Chambers General Store, as he said, established in 1917. Um, and they really do. If they don't have it, you don't need it. It's, a, it's the facts. Breakfast sandwiches, daily lunch specials, biscuits and gravy, uh, soups. Every day until Harry decides he doesn't want to make soup anymore for the year. Um, <clears throat> he'll make a dollar sandwich or a hoagie in front of you with whatever you want from the lunch meat. 
And while you're doing that, if you need to fix your house or you need to need some drywall or anything, he'll point you in the direction. Or feed your pet. Yeah, that's uh, true. You get everything I, I, right. I noticed that because I have a dog, and sometimes <laughs> i got to bring home the bacon for him. And that's so. and it's a quick quick pickup. And like you said, yeah. it's, it, it, it's convenient, and it's been here. It's a staple of the town. Um, but I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. Dino Amelli. I think I got it wrong again. It was close. close. I'm getting better. It's good. (laughs) Well, we'll be right back. I'm going to see if I can figure this and get this right the first time. But uh, we'll be right back, Chuckleheads. You're watching another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded deep in the hidden lair in Bethany, West Virginia. Or when you visit, make sure you stop by Chambers General Store. Grab one of our hot breakfast sandwiches made fresh all day. Don't forget the biscuits and gravy or one of the daily lunch specials. And if none of that trips your trigger, cold cut sub sandwiches and wraps made fresh all day to your order. Hey, and don't be the only alumni on the block that doesn't have the Chambers. If you, we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirt or the latest edition of the Bethany West Virginia shroom capital of the world in the psychedelic green hey now back to you carlo what's going on chuckleheads i am carlo guadagnino this is the dingo talk alumni tour my guest dino Millie, class of 1978 uh we left off we talked about the social aspect we talked about greek life uh some we didn't really touch on the academics but I didn't touch on them much when I was I, Well, I, yeah, it came we, I told you when we met no. last week, we're similar in a, in a lot of things. Yeah, so I just yeah. figured that was a good, we'll just, but yeah. we have to touch on one academic thing. It's this, okay. it's, a, it's another staple of what the institution is and, and what it means to graduate from Bethany. Yes. Uh, comps, the little blue books. Yeah. We yeah. sit, you know, two days in the, in the writing and then sure. one day sure. sitting in front of a panel. Uh, my first question about comps. Do you feel that the oral part of comps prepares Bethany students more for what a professional interview or business meetings are going to be like because you're pitching why and what you've learned and and all that? Absolutely. It's the most valuable part or or one of the more valuable parts of a Bethany education. And I only wish we could do it for students, you know, every week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when you get out of school, wherever you go to school, and whether you go on to graduate school or anything else afterwards, the number one skill set still today is being able to communicate. And to be able to sit there in front of professors whom you interacted with on a, on a very different level mm-hmm. than you are at that point in your, in your academic career uh, is invaluable. It's definitely a big, big plus for this school. Now... Do you have any interesting stories? What was the study? I, again, we as we touched at the beginning there, maybe we didn't touch enough on school. But what was the studying tactic for yeah. comps? No, no, and and I will I will say I'm not trying to dumb myself down. No, I think records show I had a three point eight six, but I attribute that completely to the fact that I had an amazing memory back then. That was before, you know, many years of doing dumb things to, to help facilitate the loss of that. But I would sit in class and not take notes and then just go back and remember everything. And it's a, it's a gift from God or yeah. maybe the devil. But, um, so I did. I did well academically and mm-hmm. I did put in the work where I needed to. As far as comps, yeah, I studied. 
Um, but I was so engrossed in my psychology courses that so much of it was second nature. Okay. That I didn't have to prepare and spend a lot of time. The other plus was I took them in January. So I was here working for the basketball team. And other than doing my two hours of practice a day or however long the road trips or games would take, mm -hmm. I had all the time I needed to study. And certainly nobody was going to bother me. Yeah. Uh, because the rest of the people on campus were, for the most part, taking January term classes or they were athletes. And so they were doing their own thing. And I was free to, to concentrate on studying as much as necessary. So now, yeah. and are you studying above, you're living, still living above the bar? No, at that okay. point I was in the beta house. I okay. went back to the beta house for my senior year. I actually spent the first semester senior year in what we called M&M, McLean-McEachern, which is now where the Erickson Alumni <laughs> Center is, where my office is. Uh, but, but then January term and second semester, I wanted to live in the house. So I went back to the beta house and it was, you know, there were four basketball players and myself, basically. So I had a quiet environment. And uh, is there any... So, is there any interesting stories that come from your uh, comps days? Uh, the, my, my heart was in my throat when I walked in for my orals. Mm -hmm. Not because I wasn't prepared, but I took one semester of German my first semester senior year, just as a schedule filler. And I just, I had a gift for languages back then, I guess. Um, we had a two-hour final. And it was scheduled for 1 o'clock on a Sunday. And the Steelers had a playoff game <laughs> at 1 o'clock on Sunday. You weren't missing it. I wasn't missing it. <laughs> so I, I went into that test, and Mrs. Nelson was the te the professor. And she handed out the test, and I finished it in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. and it was a two-hour final. And I knew I nailed it. I knew I had them all right. So I ran up, handed it in, and booked out of there. And she gave me the dirtiest look because, of course, she probably thought I had the answers before the test or something. Well, I walk into my orals, and she's one of the three professors there because it's January, and nobody else is around. Mm -hmm. I mean, she happened to live in the community or nearby. <laughs> so I walk in, and I thought, I <laughs> hope she doesn't have much to say. <laughs> and as it turned out, I did okay. Um, but, yeah, being a psych major here in the 70s was like, where you wanted to be. We had John Hall, who is still here, God bless him, <laughs> and uh, Gail Thompson and Trevor Pierce. And, and it was a great, a great major for someone who was interested in humanity at a point in time where that necessarily hadn't become real popular yet. So yeah, I enjoyed it and I did fine on my comps. And I have friends who have never passed their comps. And that, that really causes me a great deal of pain but I would never say we should do away with them. No, oh, no, never. No, because it's it's a, we as much as the it's a scary thing when you're when you're a freshman probably are sitting there. It's not a scary thing to them. No. Sophomore sitting there. Oh, uh, it's a little closer, but it's not yeah, scary. Yeah. It's second semester junior year. You start realizing, oh yeah. my god, that test is coming. Yeah. And. and it's you know, like a battle wound almost. We all went. Th it's, it's, oh, oh, it's the, oh, yeah. It's it's part of being here. Like pledging a fraternity was part of being here back when that was a difficult challenge. Yeah. Um, editorial comment. It's not anymore. <laughs> but then I'm old school. Um, but yeah, I I would say that I don't know what the percentage is, but I for one certainly didn't know anything about comps when I enrolled here and showed up the first day. <laughs> Um, but I feel like a lot of people are into it's, that. It's same. a rite of passage to yeah. be a Bethany grad. So, yeah, invaluable. Well, so what led you to a career in law? 
post-Bethany? Well, I mentioned earlier, I think that my practicum experience included time at Monsville State Prison. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked with the prison psychologist. And of course, I was a psych major, so that made sense. And I also worked with the warden. And so I thought, you know, I wouldn't mind being in that industry, but I want to be the warden. I don't want to be the psychologist. Yeah. He takes orders from the warden. You want so to be the guy. I want to be the guy. So I'm talking with some friends at, at one point in my senior year, and uh, I mentioned that aspiration. And one guy said, well, why don't you just go to law school? That never occurred to me. He said, it's one year longer. You're going to be much more well-rounded than if you go to schools to get a degree in criminal justice or mm -hmm. a master's in criminal justice. He said, go to law school. You can still do that if you want to, but you can end up doing something else. Well, I got into law school, and after one year of the basic courses, I knew that that wasn't going to be the direction I went. Okay. And so like most law students, you look for a job your second or at least your third year so that you get some practical experience. And the one that really fell into my lap was working at General Nutrition Centers in their real estate department. And so I was involved in negotiating leases mm -hmm. for their stores. Yeah. And after about six months, a position came open to be the person who traveled around to find sites for the stores. Mm -hmm. And they offered that to me and I jumped at it. And so I've been in commercial real estate both as a broker, I have a broker's license, and as an attorney, um, and I'm licensed in PA to do that for 41 years. And I was blessed with the ability to travel and see, I think I've been to 47 different states, most of it professionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked with some great people in an industry that I really loved. And, uh, and I did the same thing in one way, shape or form for 41 years. Now, why in that first year, or what, I guess, what, what pushed you towards the real estate side? Um, Why not? Because you, you had a passion for sports. Yeah. So yeah. and and sports law, I guess, when when you're you're, it's not as it's not what it is now. Where you're no, you're gonna be, no. you it, could be a, an a, an athletic director, you could be an agent, you could be all those other things. That so, wasn't the case back then. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't even think at Pitt we had an elective that could cover something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I knew after one or two classes that I I didn't want to get involved in the prison system or represent criminals or, you know, alleged yeah. criminals. Um, and I certainly didn't want to be a prosecutor because on the scale of, you know, one to ten with one being extremely liberal and ten being extremely conservative, I like to think of myself down the middle. My daughter, who's very liberal, says, Dad, you're an old white guy, and that's not going to change. <laughs> so, so you could say you're, you're moderate or even liberal, but you don't, you don't sell that to me. So anyway, I, I just knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and then this job with GNC just came about because I had a good friend at law school who had done that job for a year and said he wanted to move on and do something different. He said, you interested in interviewing? And I said, sure. I needed a job. I was mm -hmm. waiting tables busing tables for the most part and uh and this made sense to get something on my resume or to get my resume started so i took the job and really never looked back and as in other professions it was it, it's one of those when you when the door opens you don't oh you, got, you don't pass you, you got a charge door. For you gotta no. go no that's a good line that's from hotel new hampshire you like that yeah very good <laughs> very good so <laughs> uh 41 years in the in, in that industry 
uh, but you your your ties to Beta didn't really when you left they didn't sever they no no they're very they, strong they, and your group is a very strong alumni group I would say here yeah yeah the the house the the fraternities group is very strong the age group of those men from Beta are is still very strong they're still you know ninety percent of my core group of friends. Um, and so we've worked together. We did fundraising back in the 80s to get a new house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did work, unfortunately, with the college in the late 90s and early 2000s when we had to close the chapter. Um, and we've remained strong. We have three alumni organizations that I'm treasurer for all three, which is hilarious because I, I took one accounting course and, and barely got through it. But when you're volunteering for things or where you're looking for volunteers, and this segues into what I do now, you don't tell people we can't use you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have to say, yes, we'll find a place. So there, there was a, there's one urban, we, we've talked about a couple of the urban legends yes. and myths around. I'm surprised we didn't touch on Larry Hummel. That was probably we'll get to, we'll get to Larry. We'll, we'll I know we're gonna have to because yeah. it's we've told yeah. the other legends. So. Yeah. But uh, Chuck Kern told a, a a story of the the original Beta House when it went down. Mm-hmm. There was a video, videotape or a video somewhere that was passed around, and I wouldn't be doing my duty as a chucklehead if I did not ask. Have you? Do you know of this tape existing? No, and I don't. I'm, okay, I'm interested to hear. So about there's it. a VHS tape apparently. Some I guess Bubba or Chuck somebody ran down, and as they were the the old houses was being demolished, they filmed it. Oh, wow. And then the other side to that is the, and I believe it's in the great room when you go into beta now, that is from the original house. The the coat of arms. The coat of arms. I can tell you about that. And that one was taken to Bubba's. Was not. That was the story. Okay. That was the the story. I can give you most of that story. So I came down with my ex-wife actually on a visit to Bethany when the house was closed Mm -hmm. and they were already starting to demolish the interior. And we had black wooden block letters, beta, theta, pi. And they were sitting on the table in the library. I think they had been on the outside of the house. Well, I took those home because I didn't want to see those get destroyed, but the coat of arms wasn't there. Okay. Several years later, a friend of mine, Mark Scorpion, who was a year behind me here and was a beta, said, hey, I'm moving out of my apartment, or I think he had a duplex. Can you take something for me? And I said, sure. So he gives me this big trash bag. It's got the coat of arms in it. Okay. So Scorp protected it for some number of years. I don't even (laughs) recall how many. By then, the new house was open. Mm -hmm. So I took it from him and kept it in my garage for a little while, and then I think I got Art Music Caro, who was the head of our house corporation for a number of years, to take it off my hands and get it rehabbed, and they hung it up in the new house. So could it have ended up at Bubba's when they first demolished the house? Maybe that was part of it. Quite possibly, but I know where it ended up and how it got back here. Well, and and from that that love of Beta and that... this that was a cornerstone of what you what was your Bethany experience. Um, here we are today, five yeah. weeks into a, a new endeavor. Yeah, what brought you back? Um, well, it's not a very long story, but it's a, it's a tough story. I um, I had been thinking about retiring because, like a lot of other professions, the pandemic turned my business upside down. At the mm-hmm. last five years of my career as an attorney, I worked for a company that managed 
um, retail businesses and, and restaurants in airports. And so the last two years were a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so I had pretty much been fed up with that and was thinking about retiring. And over Thanksgiving, or the week before Thanksgiving, I get a call from a friend of mine um, who tells me that her husband had passed away the night before. And I was devastated. He was probably my best Bethany friend over the years. Our families went on vacations together every summer for... 10 years or so, and he just, we had always been close. Yeah. And he met his wife because he was looking for office space back before work from home became a thing, and I recommended one of those office suite type operations in Pittsburgh, and she was the manager. So they met through my recommendation for him to go get office space. They started dating, they got married. They were together 21 years, which sounds like a long time, but when you're 64 or five years old like we were, 21 years wasn't that long. Yeah. And so she was devastated by his passing. I certainly was devastated by his passing. And it put me to, I got to get on with my life. Because he and I had talked for a couple of years about when do you retire? How do you deal with it financially, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he retired during the pandemic. His name's Mark Snagaki. Um, he retired during the pandemic. And so he had one year of, of retirement. retirement. And uh, I, I just said, this is a sign. Well, a week, less than a week after his service, I'm in LinkedIn and I see a posting that Bethany College is looking for a director of alumni engagement. And I just thought, There's sign number talk two. about a sign. And, you know, my heart's always been with this place. I spend a lot of time here. I always have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to think that I could get paid to do something I was doing for free and really have some credibility yeah. um, was huge. And so I talked to Lori Weaver that night, and we had sort of a meeting of the minds right away. And, um, you know, I went through the interview process, uh, got to meet the staff, got to meet Dr. Caridi, um, who scolded me and said, please call me Jamie. We put our pants on the same way, one leg at a time. And uh, so, so that so was, very, he's, that he's, was a good he's sign for me. Guy. Yeah, that was a good sign for me. I know a lot of people have taken a lot of shots at him. Uh, I prefer to see what a person does. Yeah. As the, opposed to worry about what they may have said. Yeah. Um, words are words and actions speak yeah. louder than yeah, them. We, absolutely. We, we've taught our, we teach our children that, so why can't yeah, we? Yeah, right. Why can't we live by that? Yeah. No. So, <clears> so yeah, it was a great interview process. I got to meet a lot of the people. They got comfortable with me. I got comfortable with them. And, uh, you know, within, I think, two and a half weeks of my first conversation with Lori Weaver, um, we had a deal. We had a deal. Mm -hmm. And I, I have been extremely pleased to be back here, extremely gratified by the response. Uh, I've heard from literally hundreds of people, 90% of whom I didn't know personally. Yeah. And it wasn't because they heard Dino was such a great guy. It was because Dino was an alum who had been here back in the day and, he and understood this school and this town and was willing to relocate from Pittsburgh to get closer, although apparently Wheeling wasn't close enough for some of the folks, but hey, I'll give them a pass <laughs> on that. Well, you can't win them all. You can't <laughs> win them all. Three out of four ain't that. That's exactly right. So yeah, it, it's been fantastic and it's really giving me the opportunity to give back and and give back means something in the sense that I really do owe this place a lot. And I, I am thrilled to be in the position I'm in right now. 
So, as the uh, as somebody involved in alumni, uh, and what is the official title for? Well, we are the Department for Institutional Advancement and Marketing and Communications. Okay. Lori runs all of that. My particular role is Director of Alumni Engagement. Okay. Which suits me just fine because what I don't ever necessarily want to be is the leader of beating people up for money. And I understand the need for that. Yeah. And and I hope that enough people understand the need for that, that they can help us raise the funds we need to, to do the things we need to do to create more alumni by getting the enrollment up yes. and having people come to school here. Well, and I, I don't necessarily want to... I want to stay more with the alumni because that's yeah, yeah. that's where you are. Right? That's where I, mean, I am. So that's... there's no what what would you what would we, what would the status of of our alumni? Are we still we're, we're retaining a good number of alumni? Are we are we seeing a, a rise in maybe new alumni engagement? And and how do we get those alumni? who want to, maybe don't want to, or can't financially donate, but want to get involved in other ways, how can they do that? Well, there's, there's plenty of initiatives underway right now. And again, I've only been here four and a half weeks, but I've seen so many positive things. Um, one of the uh, initiatives that the Alumni Council, which is an organization of volunteers mm -hmm. who I liaise with, um, one of the things they're doing is a program called GOLD, and the acronym is Graduates of the Last Decade. And... You know, it, it is so important, as one alum said to me last week, uh, and I wish I could remember who said it, um, you've got to get people understanding that they're going to be alums from the first day they set foot on campus as a freshman. And certainly that's true the first day they leave campus as a graduate. Yes. So those first four plus ten years are critical. Um, so we're going after that group and trying to stay in touch with them. The other challenge and the other area we're trying to develop initiatives is the old people, i.e. my generation, they don't go on Twitter. No. They don't follow Instagram. No. They're Facebook, lucky if maybe. they're on Facebook. Maybe. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so you have to reach out to them in other ways. And so I've been spending a lot of time on the phone sending emails to people whose email addresses we have mm -hmm. and acknowledging that you can please feel free to call me. You don't have to respond by email yeah. if you're more comfortable. And I've also started to try to get in front of people face to face. Yeah. Because in my business for 40 years, that was how we did everything. Mm -hmm. And you hand you did a handshake. Yeah. And you did a face to face meeting. And I traveled all over the country to meet people face to face when today that would never happen. No. But with my generation, you still have to do a lot of that. Absolutely. So there are initiatives to bring some of those folks back. You mentioned um, Hal Newman earlier. Yes. Um, Hal and I have been talking about organizing sort of a grassroots effort to get people back on campus to work. Because that's not going to cost them anything except the cost of getting here. Mm -hmm. And if you live in Pittsburgh like I do or whatever, that's not a cost. 22.30 or you can come the old yeah. way on yeah. 50. I usually come one way and go home the yeah, other way. I, I, I used to go to work up in Pittsburgh. I'd go up 22.30 and come back on 50 because yeah. it's just different. It, yeah, it's something different when you have to drive an hour and 15 minutes each day two ways. So, But yeah, so we are trying to get that type of thing engaged. Now the attorney and me knew right away that there were 
pitfalls at, at something like there's that. There's liability. There's yeah, other yeah, things yeah. having people on campus. Right, and... right. So especially in the in in what is still the middle of the pandemic. Yes. Um, so we're working with the administration. The buy-in has been great. Now, is that more specifically that grassroots project? Is that more? Uh, let's get you here in the summertime. Let's yeah. get you yeah. here when it's not the hustle and bustle of the day to day, and we yes. can. You know, I know that Old Main has been something people have talked about and the uh, Phillips or, or whatever. Well, just paint. If you want to paint, there's, you want to... trimming yeah. trees. There's painting. There's And we have alumni with all of those skill sets and all of that equipment and, and such. And I, I was very gratified about a week or so after I talked to Hal and we started to get this rolling. Somehow the word got around to Jamie Caridi. And he sent a note down to us and said, hey... I heard about this idea that somebody had to do this at Ohio Dominican. We did it twice a year, every year. So can you get some traction on this? And we were able to write back and say, yeah, we've already started it. It's already been endorsed by Denny and Jerry and, you know, Bill Kiefer, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. We're just working out the details now. So it's good to see that everybody is of the same mindset as to the kinds of things we can do to engage alums. Uh, and there's the usual stuff. You know, one of the things that we're sort of riding the, the wave of is, in a lot of people's minds, we had the best homecoming ever last year. I agree. And and I certainly felt that way, and I felt that way that week. Yeah. Not when there I was, started wearing the badge. There was a huge buildup. There was uh, a huge... It was tremendous. And, and the, out, the, the outpouring of people after the year of being told you can't come to Bethany. Yes. You yes. saw what Bethany really meant because the alumni came and it was it was a homecoming again. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And so uh, uh, while I tongue-in-cheek said, well, we ought to just start doing it every other year or every five years so it can be that good again, um, we're gearing up for this year. Well, and, and you know, I know um, alumni weekend used to be kind of a big time and that kind of again with the with everything else with the yeah, pandemic yeah. and being a small school and getting people together that um it threw a wrench there but i guess the other question would be so if we can get more alumni to come back where are we going to put them when they come back because i know that the you know the grass being that it's it's now in a, in a different use and and there's not much in other than ogilvy yeah, that you can yeah, go to. What yeah. is, is is there a plan? Is that something that? If there's a plan, it will be part of the strategic plan that we've been hearing about. I am not privy to any such details okay. yet, and I certainly have my own ideas as a guy who was in real estate development for thirty some years after my retail career started. Um, but it is a real challenge. Yeah, it's, it's and, and I will acknowledge that I'm. Uh, before I came to work here, I was part of, of the basketball reunion for the team from 1978 that I mentioned. And we were having trouble finding places to house 13 men. Mm -hmm. um, so I get the fact that it's tough. And Ogilvy is a great alternative. Um, it so happened that that weekend they had run a two-for-one special, so the place booked up. Yeah. So we don't have anything for February 18th through 20th there. But, um, you know, there's still that danger that I think Frank talked about on the show a little while ago. That is, do you want people jumping into cars after they've been drinking and drive these roads? No. 
And the answer, as Frank said at the time, was no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, would it be great to say, well, the guys from 1978 are all coming back and we're going to have a great weekend, but nobody's going to have a drink. That's not going to happen. In a fantasy world, yeah, sure. Yeah, it yeah. sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great. It's a great write-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a challenge. It is a challenge, and I hope it's one that the administration addresses. I know that it's one that they're sensitive to. Um, you know, you can't put all the recruits up at the SAE house. Oh, by the way, we don't have one anymore. No, but that's, that's you, Alpha Sigma. Yeah, you can't, you, can't put, you can't put people up in that environment when they're high school seniors down here with their mom like I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, with um, certain buildings, I know, what, can we talk about what's going on, what the plan is for Sigma Nu? I know their alumni base, very strong. Yeah. You're, yeah. I, I guess we would be expecting them to be trying to, they're now in the process of making their comeback. Yes, um, yes. And then you also have on the other end of town, the Point Breeze Mansion, the, the, the old Alpha Sig Mansion, which, is there any plans or such for that? Because, I mean, there's two, I know the Point Breeze Mansion specifically, that's a building that, Maybe could be an alumni welcome back. Here's some really nice rooms, bed and breakfast type. Yeah, yeah, I, and I agree with that. I'll start with the Sigma New House because I have some personal experience in my time back here. Uh, in fact, I spoke to Kevin Clancy and his wife Molly today. They're mm-hmm. actually living in the house and working uh, in conjunction with the Sigma New national and local alumni groups to rehab it. Um, some of our players who were SIGs are going to stay there for the basketball weekend. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're doing a great job. I, I knocked on the door of the SIG house the other day, which in and of itself was kind of weird. Weird. <laughs> and, and Molly was gracious and let me in and I looked around a bit. They're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And they, they, like everything else, the physical plant is easy so long as you're willing to put in money and effort. Yeah. The, the tough part will be to get the brotherhood back online. Yeah. But the alumni group led by people like Kerry McCann and, and Bob McCann, no, no relation as they say, um, are, are, are doing things to make sure that the SIGs get reestablished yeah. here. You know, it took us at Beta a few years to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably take the SIGs a little bit of time. Certainly it will help to have a beautiful remodeled off-campus house to, to show to, to prospects when you're rushing them. Um, so yeah, they'll be back. They'll be back. Now the Alpha Sigs, I do not have that much knowledge of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that the college bought the property. I believe so. Yeah, the college bought the property, and there are some things that can be done with it. And I think the college will keep that in mind as mm-hmm. they initiate, implement the new strategic plan. I don't know if it'll be a key factor. I'd just be guessing. Yeah, like you and I, it would. Well, and then the the other, I, I didn't even think about it, but once you were you were talking about Sigma Nu. There's another house yes, there down is. there. And then now, now, I guess, can I ask you from your realty experience, that would be a pretty nice place to house some alumni. Yeah, Parking-wise, yeah, you're, yeah. you're in town. Yeah. You're, and, it, and it would be, I have not been in the old KA house since I went to school here. <laughs> I know that it wasn't exactly the best place then. Yeah. So I don't know what the inside of the house looks like now. But is that owned? That's owned by? I'm assuming the KAs own that. Okay. But I know that also the college has purchased a lot of properties in town as they've become available. So I don't know what the status of that is. I don't want to lump it in with my general view of some of the properties around here, which I think 
a bulldozer would do <laughs> very well with. Goodbye. Because, you know, as a real estate guy, the land is often more valuable than the buildings that sit on it. And if we're going to do things as part of our new looking forward to make the town a better place, mm -hmm. building but, some new stuff would be a good thing, I think. And I think that maybe that gets messed a lot in translation as well, is that we need to improve the college and the infrastructure there. But we yeah. also need to be thinking about, like you said, there's no social aspect for these, these students. Right, right. Why not find some things in town that we could... And, and, I mean, that's easier said than done. There's a lot more that has to be... Yeah, there is, but there are plans. There are people doing things behind the scenes, and we're at very early stages. Yeah. And I say we kind of generically. Um, there, are, there are things being talked about, and there, and there will be some momentum in that direction because you still have a lot of people that care an awful lot. And I don't know what it's like now, but when I was here, the, the urban legend or the rumor was... At that time, there were almost a thousand students. <laughs> that number just always comes out. Yeah, <laughs> but but there were only two hundred people in the town. Yeah. So so the town and the college are inextricably linked, especially if you're the town. Yeah. <laughs> you need. The... You know, and I know maybe some of the town's folks wouldn't agree with that, but it just you know Bethany can't exist without the college. Yeah. Any more than the college can exist without, without the, the town. town. So I think there's a lot that can be done. There are a lot of people interested to do some things, and we'll see some positive steps. So you since you brought up Urban Legends, and before we get into those last three questions of the show. Okay. Larry Hummel. Oh, Let's hear it. You know, Larry, um, I know he was to some degree on the payroll when I was here. Uh, supposedly he was a college maintenance person or whatever, but I'm sure it was just uh, you know some stipend to sustain him. But Larry would come in the cafeteria and clean food off the trays as if, you know, he didn't have a, a meal coming. But the rumor always was that once or twice a year, a limo would come into town and they'd pick him up and take him to Pittsburgh to meet with his stock broker or whatever. <laughs> and that he'd gotten rich through, I think, Campbell's Soup or something. <laughs> and <clears throat> there was always someone who had seen the limo, just like... Everybody my I age saw, saw Bill Mazeroski's yes. home run. Yes. So, you know, there was Everybody was someone. in Forbes Field that yeah, day. Yeah, every, 250,000 <laughs> people. Um, so people would say they saw Larry's rock. Well, of course, fast forward to many years after I was gone from here, Larry leaves the college like a million dollars or the something. Humble Field House. The Humble Field House. So there was some truth apparently to all of this. Uh, but, yeah, he, he was a living legend when he was here and his his legend lived on after him so we've come to that point we got three questions all right i hope i can pass well i i struggled <laughs> with tests you seem to do well with tests. i, I was okay with tests. So, yeah yeah uh why division three not just bethany excluded why the division three level if you're talking to a, a high school athlete no oh, i think it's critical so many of my colleagues, friends, whatever you want to say, brothers. Mm -hmm. um, and I had this discussion at lunch today with Bill Kiefer. Um, what a man. They, yeah, they wanted to play sports, but they didn't necessarily want to focus on one. I mean, I was here with guys who could have played Division One sports and done very well. Mm -hmm. Scott Lance was a punter on the football team. 
He easily could have kicked for a Division One school, but he wanted to play baseball too. Fran Haas was a leader on the basketball team. Uh, I think he was then the only the only player who had been um, the number one player in the WPIL two years in a row, his junior and senior year. Okay, he could have played basketball at a Division One school. I mean, yeah. he was six foot tall and could dunk the ball. And we had guys six five who couldn't. So I mean, Franny could have played. At a, at a D1 school, but he was a baseball guy. His father played in the Cardinal organization for 10 years. Um, so Fran wasn't going to go somewhere where he couldn't play baseball, yeah. too. So, I mean, that's why D3. And, and you know, my son played tennis on an undefeated team in Mount Lebanon, and he was, you know, probably number 10 guy out of 14. But they mm-hmm. were so good they could win matches with their second seven. Yeah. He wanted to play tennis. He wasn't going to go to Division one school he went to a division three school and played and won an NCAA title and just had a blast. Yeah. So I mean, it is it is so important to college life to offer those opportunities and it's so much better than when I was here because whatever people say about Title Nine, it's great to see the men and the women having equal opportunities. Yes. And that's you know, when I was here my big brother was a was a wrestler and the wrestling program was done away with to make way for a woman's program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't get into the editorializing about whether that's good or bad. I just know it's great that we have these sports for men and women who come here. And the chance to play hoops here, even though you would never have gone to a big school to play. Yeah. So, yeah, Division three, love it. Yeah, I just met Jill Wilson today, and we're going to talk on Friday. Can't wait to get engaged with her about all the things Bethany, athletic-wise, it's it's a large part of this experience. Uh, leading into Bethany, and because they're a Division three school, what would you say right now, and I've seen this question a couple times from alumni, so I'm sure people are going to hang on this one. What is what is the brand? What are what are what is Bethany? What from an outside point of view, if you're looking at it from a sales model, what are what is an alumni selling? As Bethany, I, I think that we have to stay true to our roots, in that we're a uh, you know a small liberal arts college of national distinction, and I know that there are people who say that tongue in cheek these days. Uh, I won't. I, I think that there's no reason we aren't that, and certainly no reason we can't strive to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, times have changed. Um, you know. There were people who weren't much older than me who came here for one reason. That was to stay out of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, that obviously has changed. Uh, Although it could be heading back. Uh, well, <laughs> I said no, no politics, there's no, no po- religion. I was just saying no we, might, politics, no religion we might be seeing show. an influx of students <laughs> running to Brook County. <laughs> Um, <laughs> There's a couple other schools through. you got Ohio County right over the border. There's two know, more schools down there. I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think the brand needs to remain basically the same. And, and, look, I will admit that when I was here, I didn't understand the import and the impact of the Disciples of Christ Church and faith on yeah. this campus. I've learned more about that in my five weeks as an alumni engagement director than mm-hmm. I did in my, you know, five years close to the campus. Um, so, so we have to remain true to that. I think it would be unfair to the generations of alums who were associated with the church not to stay true to that. And to the guy. There's one There's one pretty big guy with the disciples. Yes. 
Yes. His picture right there in yes. Old Main. He's yes. very important. Yes. So I think that's that that still needs to b- remain the brand. Um, but I don't think we need to be a school where half the current students are playing a, a sport. No. I, I think we need to get more people in um, who can shine academically and professionally outside of the sports world. Like even the NCAA says, you know, 95% of our student athletes are not going to go on to be professional athletes. And I think that we need to attract um, Theater, more people. Band. Yeah, ex- the communications Science. department has been great. And it seems as if they still are very engaged, uh, both with alums and recruiting students. Uh-huh. Dave Sims, Faith Daniels, Tori Tolley, all these people that became national media figures from my era. We need more of those. We yeah. need more William H. Macy's and Fran McDormand's. And Je- Jeff Seglin's and, and Marie DeParis. Exactly. Marie Zoop. Marie Z. I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name, but Marie Z. Yeah, yeah. We need people that can represent the brand by what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the brand. The brand is success in the real world. So we are the brand. We are the if brand. We're, as the, uh, we speaking are the brand. as alumni, not no, as the absolutely. alumni engagement guy, you and me, we we're, are we're, the brand. We're the brand, yes. Because our success breeds the success down, the, down that ladder. It gives us credibility when we're talking about students coming here mm-hmm. you know the alums the, the the recruiting office the admissions office whatever can can point to guys like you and say hey look you want to see about the kind of alum we have tune in and and so that that's really important i think we have to focus on mentoring and providing internships and getting the students here to realize that if you come here and you work hard here you can get out of here and have a head start because alums will mentor you, alums will find you jobs, they'll mm-hmm. hook you up with people in, in the big towns around here, whether it's Pittsburgh or if you want to go to D.C. or There's nowhere where we don't have somebody. Well, and again, it's that, as we said at the beginning of the segment, when the door opens, you don't, you, yeah. you don't walk away from the no. open door hoping for another one. You go through no. the first open door and yeah. start. Yeah, absolutely. So lastly, um, I'm a senior in high school. You're recruiting me to Bethany. Why Bethany? What does Bethany do? What right now? What does it do for me? Why I'm not an athlete. I want to come yeah. here for let's say psych. Let's let's go psych. I want to come here for psychology. Yeah. Why Bethany? As a former psych major here, you will get as close to a one-to-one relationship with your faculty and your peers as you can have. Mm-hmm. You will become a part of a family that draws people like myself back here after 45 years. Um, you know, that's one of the things I'm learning about the work that I do have to dabble in in terms of fundraising. You have to be the example. Yeah. You can't tell people why this is a great place to come to school. You have to show them by being here. And I think that's why it's important to have as many alums as possible, mm-hmm. active, in the administration and and the faculty and the community as we can get. Yeah. Because that's what's going to convince new students. You know, somebody walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Well, it's, uh, and it's ironic. I mean, that's, I think, a perfect way to wrap up the show is uh, we talked about the guy, big disciple of Christ, Alexander Campbell, um, and he had his, his, uh, 
there was a quote that I, I've used a lot in my head. Is it's it's the way I look at the show, especially from the for the alumni tour, um, and that's you know the community has no connect if there's no communication. The community breeds the communicate or the community communication breeds the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that we're on the right track of heading that direction. With I mean the town halls are great. I hope that they continue. It's just a it's a yeah, great quarter yeah. not even quarterly update. I mean it's a oh, no, it's we've got it we've got one March first with Dr. Caridi and then rumor has it, we've talked rumors, that I may be uh the third oh. guest, although I may have just you just spilled everything I could possibly say on the town hall. Well, uh, they may skip over me now. Maybe we'll, we'll, <laughs> if we could work together, I'd like to. If you could pass a message along to Dr. Creedy, I'd love to have him on the show. Love him, give him an opportunity to, to introduce himself as, sure. as who he sure. is as a person and where he comes from, and sure. and the whole thing. Same to Joe uh, Joe Wilson. Yeah, correct? yeah, Joe the, Wilson, the new athletic director. Um, and that's I think ironic that with a female athletic director, female assistant athletic director. And Jan Forsty being as influential in being a the first woman athletic director collegiately in the state of West Virginia, I think it's yeah. ironic that yeah. we now have a woman athletic director here at Bethany. I think that's a great. Oh, I think it's tremendous. It's a great push for women in sports as that yeah. as that field grows. Yeah. No, absolutely. I want to say thank you. Thank you. This Thanks. has been a tremendous experience. It's been a good time. I, it was better than our last meeting. I wasn't as nervous. I was nervous the first meeting. This one, I was like, well, <laughs> he's going to talk. I just got to be here. I was going to say, I was nervous, too. I thought, I'll never shut up. So. <laughs> um, I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk alumni tour. Dino Amelie, class of 1978. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. It's uh, Dingo Talk. You can go on Twitter. Uh, t- t- Twitter and TikTok are Dingo Talk, and then Instagram it's Dingo underscore Talk because somebody already had Dingo Talk without the underscore. So yeah. we had to, you know, the social media world. You got to oh, change you your characters, yeah. and somebody um, probably has my name as a website. <laughs> well, every Thursday, 10 a.m. Sometimes we have alumni from Bethany. Sometimes we have uh, different people. Uh, but make sure you tune in, follow us on the platforms, hit subscribe, and uh, we will catch you next week.